Christian Cunningham here from All Founders. This episode is a very interesting one. I guess second thing first, we've got an interview with Christopher Caridius from Lexicon Digital. And they're a, uh, I guess, a software business that has taken what is a very small business and turned it into a very decent medium-sized one. But more importantly, they have one tier one and tier two clients, one after another with terrific service. It led us to the question, playing with the big boys. What is it like to be a small to medium business in what is a new world, I guess? And how do we go about pursuing those bigger businesses without sort of killing what makes our businesses great, our own our own operations great? It's a good chat. Chris Critius knows exactly what he's up to. Uh, they've got some really basic metrics that are worth getting into. And look, I think there's a lot to learn out of a business like his. So check it out. We also have a YouTube channel somewhere that you can probably find. And hopefully, happy listening. On Ticker, you're watching All Founders with Laura Rackey and Christian Cunningham. Good afternoon, all. Welcome to the All Founders show for yet another week. We made it again. All right, let's not do that again. We made it through another week. We can't believe it. We're in lockdown. You know, it's, it's madness. Um, today, we have a very interesting topic. I mean, every week we have an interesting topic, but this week it is playing with the big boys, which may not make a lot of sense now, but hopefully will soon. And we have a wonderful guest, Christopher Caridius from Lexicon Digital. That will also make more sense soon. Yes. But as usual, introducing my inimitable, indefatigable <laughs> partner, Laura Racky. How Hi. are you today? I'm pretty good. <laughs> Did you hear the flint edge in my voice there? I pretty good. I believe that for a moment. That Listen, was, uh, um, Christian, oh. I'm just going to jump right in though okay. and interrupt okay. our small talk. Okay. Um, I want to have a chat this morning. Oh, this morning? Where are we? This I don't afternoon? Know what year it is. Yeah, it's been a long life. <laughs> Before we jump in, we love, we love focusing on um, businesses yes. and. Two unbelievable friends of mine, Sarah and Anastasia, have kicked off a brilliant business, perfectly timed, Me Time Inc. Um, it's all about art therapy, and we've got some footage here. These magnificent boxes, I've gifted one this week, and it was so gratefully received. Um, a beautiful box where you or your friends and your family can paint um, gorgeous um, images. You get a tutorial that comes with the package, so you're not on your own. And um, I just think they're doing great things with this. This is really good timing because art therapy has been shown to be really, really effective. And I think especially now we are all looking for things yeah, to yeah. lift us up, oh, to distract oh, us. Anything, to, anything. And honestly, I felt calm just looking at that unboxing, you know, seeing all the little <laughs> bits and pieces and a bit of order and, and calm and um, quiet away from the world. So well done team at Me Time Inc, Sarah and Anastasia. Um, check them out and um, we look forward to seeing them grow. Good on big you. Things. Good on you, Laura, and good on you, Sarah and Anastasia, on uh, starting something new. You know, we obviously love and support people who take yeah. a risk and go out and try something. So yeah. good luck to them. And I hope it does extraordinarily well. Um, like I said, uh, limited artistic we've ability. Already, we've already ordered one box and it was really gratefully received as a gift. It really so. was. It's a terrific, terrific product. So good luck with all of that. Um, today we're talking playing with the big boys. Now, Christian. Yes, Laura. Who came up with that topic? Well, I don't know how I got through creative. Do we have a creative? <laughs> Big boys, look, I think we know what we mean, right? Well, but we might. <laughs> I, think, I think we want to focus on the professional services angle. Yes. Big boys. But. Big toys. <laughs> Is that what we're talking about? 
But we're talking about moving in markets that have traditionally been locked up by bigger organisations or as a smaller business, a smaller supplier, a smaller Mm. professional Mm. services company serving or supplying too big business. Yes, it's a very scary topic because um, there's a whole bunch of ways that people find their way into or try to find their way into working with bigger businesses. But it's there's there's lots of challenges. Yeah. There's lots of risks, but then there's potentially you know Huge upside, enormous right? rewards. Yeah. Um, but it, so I've got a, f- a few thoughts on this. But I, if you want to kick things off, do I? No, no, you don't have to. I mean, so but my first thing I think about is how does a smaller business? I don't mean tiny. Yeah. I mean you know let's say under two hundred staff mm-hmm. deal with one of the monster businesses yeah. and going through all the things like procurement and finance and. Just all the bureaucracy and the, the slow turning wheels that go with the bigger. Well, that's a starting point, isn't it? To actually understand the mechanisms that go behind. Mechanisms? Yeah, is that a word? Mechanisms. No, there's. there's, there's... You might be right. I defer to the lawyer. Um, <laughs> you've got it. You do actually have to understand those processes, 100%. right? Because you can't think that you're just going to deal with the person you're dealing with. And the deal's going to get done. That might happen when you're playing with the a private business, a private yep, business, yep. and the person that you're talking yep. to is a decision maker. Yep. But you've got to go through all of these steps. So that's the boring stuff, and we like to skim over the boring yeah, stuff. But boring. Let's you know, yeah, it's important to know that if you're dealing with um, someone in a business, you've got to know that there's probably a procurement team behind them. Yep. There's probably you've got to get yourself set up as a, a supplier on the system. Yep. If you don't do all of those things, you won't get paid. And get purchase orders. Like So I would right. treat, so for instance, first I want to start the overarch by saying that I think that, that everything is on the table as far as opportunities for yep. smaller business to work yeah. with big. And I think that bigger businesses right now are going to go through a fair bit of pressure, let's say in Australia, but certainly the globe. Uh, from a cost-based point yeah. of view, they're going to be going probably and looking at fine-tooth comb of some of their existing agreements, relationships. And if someone can come along that has a skill set that is elite yep. but smaller, they're in the game. They're in the game now and you might be able to... Now, this, in some areas, going to be more bureaucracy yep. and in some areas, are going to be really fast cut through yep. if it's an essential service. Yeah, so you can't look at your own size and rule yourself out as a player. Totally agree. And, and you can, or you can, I think we talked about this the other day, you can partner with other businesses that can yeah. fill some gaps that have some space. Yep. But when you get to the line of the bigger business, you've got to think about, we talked about client DNA recently. Mm. You're probably not going to get to the CEO and you're probably not going to get to any of the big no. head, head but you might be at procurement, HR, you might be at, uh, le- dealing with the legal team, you might be dealing with an individual team and then trying to shoehorn your way into the whole business, right? Shoehorn. Well, that's really, the, I, I think a lot of people when they work with a big business don't realise that if you lose your one contact, yes. the impact that that can have on your supply. So you, you have to diversify. You actually have to put your tentacles in as a small business. So you're saying I'm in, I'm at the big company, you're, I'm your contact, yeah. and I decide to leave the business well, one day, or, or a year later I leave the business. When I Where ring, someone picks up the phone and says, who the hell are you? That's right. We, we don't My know mate's going to be doing the work for us now, thanks. Oh, but I'm a supplier. I'm a registered supplier. So what? Yeah, who are you, mate? We've got 80 of them. You know? so, so, yeah. That's all that negative, but I think what what we'd love to talk about is the ability for a smaller business to actually deliver something non-traditional, something new, something creative, agile, interesting to a big business. And that is actually where the magic is. That is where the magic is. And it's certainly possible because companies are doing it. 
Um, I think we, as usual as our nature, we fall into the pitfalls and hurdles and risks yeah. and we sort of say, you know, how do we navigate those? <laughs> but I do think you have to really think about your, your, your pitch and sell to a private business yep. or to, I treat it more like a government client in, in the yep. bureaucracy stakes and think that the decision-making chain, you've got to try and work out where the authority is to make a decision yep. because you can waste six months, 12 months, 18 Talking months. Talking to the wrong person. To the wrong person, yep. right? And the, the, they even might want to help you, but the, the, you can't to break through How do you that. get the pitch right? Well, <laughs> That's back to client DNA. And it that's actually, I, I think the smaller players have the time and energy to actually find out what it is that their prospective client yeah. wants and needs. Whereas if you're a bigger supplier in the market, that's it. You, what you we supply, what it yeah. is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if you've got a skill set, if you've got people, if you've got a product or you're developing products, you can go to one of these big players and say, what do you need? We've got something interesting or we can we'll develop new things. You. Can we make What you sort something? of team do you need? It's we'll true. pull it it's together. True. We'll it's make true. it for which you. Which is harder, the bigger you get, which is harder to do, the bigger you get. Yeah. Um, I think that, the key person leaves, we've talked about that. We've talked about procurement. But I want to I want to just one more, because we're talking to Christopher Critias soon. He, he He's going to be more this. interesting He's than us. far more interesting than us. Come on, mate. And I think that if you, a couple of quick things, if you can work out the client DNA of your individual yep. contact, uh, your individual contact within a larger business, you can work out what they are actually asked to do in their role and you can support them. That's a start. If you can work out what the longer term plans of certain parts of the businesses are, and you can get as much intel as you can as to what makes them tick, what their longer term plans are, and you can just start with little offerings that fix a big problem yes. for them, right? Fix a big problem. Yep. If you know that they've had a certain supplier for a long period of time, that they're vulnerable at this time, you've got to look at what that's, find out as much as you can about what that supplier is bringing. And, and maybe where some of their, their failures are or their, over time their weaknesses yep. are. If, you're, if they're big and you're small, you're agile and they're slow, right? It's yep. just about... And you know something we've talked about before as well, just because you're small, don't think that your value is actually being cheaper. No. Do not cut off your nose to spite your face yeah. because, yeah, you might get in the door on cheaper rates, but that is going to destroy your business. It can. It can. And that is, I mean, it's a commercial decision. I agree with you. But, but, but that can't just, be the only no, thing that you are no, no, selling I, is a cheaper price. I totally price. agree. And I think that once... Because someone will always come in cheaper. And how are you going to service that client if you need to bring in elite talent later yep. down the line and you can't get the margin out of it and you're trying to actually attract the right type yep. of people to service this monster client? Yep. Also, this is just a little bit of advice. Don't let a big client, it might be that exciting, but don't let them change your mission or the DNA of your business in a way that you can't retrieve. Yep. Because you can end up in a situation where you've got 40 clients over here and you go after the big fish and you catch the big fish and you end up servicing the big fish and it just sucks all the oxygen out of the rest of your business. And it's a really hard decision to turn and it that's away. that's only one client. That's one. If you lose that client, you're dead in the water, Correct. right? And this, happened, this happens all the time. And uh, it happens in mining booms and they, like companies go and chase mining work and they end up leaving all these clients yep. behind and they can't get back. Yep. Cost base goes up and you can't go back to your existing clients. So winding moral of all of this, the story. I don't know what the moral of the story is. Doesn't matter how big you are. Yeah. Something we love in the All Founders office, the overreach. Oh, we love an overreach. Go for the overreach. We love an overreach. Pitch it and work out how to, how to do it later, right? <laughs> Not quite that far. But... 
And don't undersell yourself. <laughs> that I agree with. Stay true to what you are as a business. And you're always in the game. And, you know, if it's not this one, it'll be the next. That's right. That's right. So That's the pep talk for the day. The pep talk for the day. Yeah. Um, I think they went okay. <laughs> Let's talk to Chris. Okay. We would like to welcome our wonderful guest today, Chris Caridius. I, I think he's there. Super producer Rick, as usual, was holding us together with sticky tape. Um, thank you Lexicon for thank you having me on the, on the show. How are you, mate? Good to see you. Good to see good, you. Good. Now, tell us, for those of us uh, who, who haven't come across Lexicon Digital, quietly building, you know, a bit of a business over there. What's the Lex empire? The empire. Yeah. Uh, what's Lexicon yeah, Digital empire. all about? Um, Give us a little, a little overview. Oh, look, so, so really, look, we're a software consultancy, and if I can put it in the most simple terms, we're a software consultancy that really specializes in software engineering, um, design, and delivery. And, you know, that's kind of the, the what we do. I think what, what, if I kind of lift that conceptually a little bit higher and think about why it is that, um, and we'll talk about the big firms in a moment, by our services is that I think what we're actually doing is teaching organizations how to leverage software for comp uh, competitive advantage. Like the, the uh, you know, the more we go into this kind of culture of digital and technology, the, the more that software is actually enabling businesses to compete. Um, we can only see what's happening right now in the retail sector and, um, and how the bricks and mortar businesses are closing their doors and companies that have been set up and where there's been 10 years spent of investment in selling online, you know, their share prices are up 200% or so in a market such as this. So, um, so I think as a consultancy, that's primarily what we do. Um, probably want just to challenge a few notions, I think that were raised, you know, before obviously the introductions, which I wanted to talk about first, and then I can tell you what I think actually <laughs> We're going to have a debate today. Good. Good. Yeah, a healthy debate. Let's have a healthy debate. We love a healthy debate, mate. All right, so... So, so you, I think... No, I think, no he's going. Sorry, keep going, Christopher. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm off. So I think thinking about your customer is obviously extremely important, but it's certainly in the early days of building a business, I think there's some fundamental things that you've really got to kind of look yourself in the mirror and see, you know, be, be true to what it is that you're building. And I think customers inadvertently come to that because, you know, in, if you're building something that's um, where you've got a passion for what it is that you do, that you, you've demonstrated that you have a history of a, being a master at your craft and you've, you know, you can, you can credentialize that with your customers through all the different experiences that, that you've had. Um, I think timing is obviously a thing that's important in any sector, in any industry. You know, there was the old story of Steve Jobs with the iPhone that he decided at one point to do nothing because the technology wasn't there at the time and he just waited until it was. And, and when he made that move, obviously the rest, the rest is his, history as we know it. Um, but I think these are the, these are the things and like, I think you referred to them, Laura, as the DNA of your, of your business that if you invest the time in getting these things right, you start to build a proposition that is high quality, high caliber, um, people believe what it is that you're selling and, and whether that's clients or um, candidates that are coming to work for you. And then I think obviously execution is like a massive part of it. So yep. having an idea is like, you know, the old saying, 1% one, 1 inspiration, 99% perspiration. Yep. Well, if you think about that in a little bit more detail, 
you know, most ideas are bad ones. And if, if your execution approach actually is sound, you're more likely to find out early on that, that the idea that you thought was a good one was actually a waste of time. And good businesses are able to pivot and adapt their proposition over time till they land in a, you know, in a position where they've got the right product to offer the customer or service. And I think, you know, so execution is not, not just about working harder um, or even smarter for that matter than everyone else. It's also making sure that you're adopting some of these methods like we teach our clients um, to, to be able to compete in this, in this, uh, in this market. So you're being um, coachable. The other thing just, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, and then I think as far as clients going, particularly the, the big boys, I think there's never been a better time to work with, with these companies like your tier one, your tier twos, because they actually have realized that they, they cannot move at the rate of knots that they need to, to be able to compete with all of these other technology startups that are disrupting yes. their, their, their industries. Um, and they're trying to respond to that in various ways. And they're doing that by setting up their own incubators and innovation hubs and all these different things. Um, acquisitions, obviously, is another strategy. But, but the other thing that's happening is that they're actually partnering with smaller firms who are high caliber and capability that can bring that IP into their business and actually teach them how to, how to adapt and respond to change. Because we fundamentally believe that that is competitive, competitive advantage in this market, you know, it's no longer about just, you know, having an idea and it most likely being the right thing. Um, it's more about really just understanding that you need to get feedback from your customers as quickly as you possibly can. And when we build software, rather than spending six months documenting an idea um, and then spending three months or four months kind of, uh, building it and then putting it out in the market and realizing that no one actually cares, we tend to do that in two yep. weeks. Yep. Um, and we do that every two weeks. And what tends to happen over time is that the final pro product is not even what the customer actually expect expected. Um, it's probably not what we expected, but it tends to be what, what their customer expects because through that whole process, it's, it's constantly being validated through, you know, things I won't obviously go into with the, with the time <laughs> that we've got, yes. but, but, um, but, but it, it's certainly becoming like the gold standard in how businesses operate and the software industry itself is being primarily responsible for, um, I guess, cre creating that as a, uh, as, a, as a set of methods, if you like. Um, and so now the challenges with big business is how do we take those things that we're doing in software now? Um, and gen generally, for the most part, people are still doing them poorly um, because the other challenge is that a lot, a lot of these things are, you know, things that rely on mindset. Um, a lot of the big firms have tried to commoditize those things. And, you know, I always say they've taken the adjective and turned it into a noun and then capitalized it and put it in a box and sold it and said, you know, now you're agile, but that's actually not the case. It's a, it's a long journey and it requires a, a shift in mindset and that takes time. So I think going back to the point just about, um, you know, the, the big boys, if you like, you know, they, they, they are like more open than they've ever been to working with smaller companies um, 
purely for the purpose of getting more momentum and velocity into their organizations because they've realized that it's not about having the right idea it's about it's about execution and it's about testing the idea getting feedback refining Mm. the proposition and then making a decision at some point that it's either worth it's got legs and you should keep you should keep investing or you should actually park your losses yeah so Chris, your losses and move on do do you think it's the case that it's so all of a sudden changed because I mean, okay, so let's say you've gone from very small business to a medium sized business in only a few years, you've you're dealing with and this is just from the outside looking in you're dealing with tier one clients, and you're building an absolutely elite uh, team with, within lexicon digital. I mean, there's just no getting around either of those three things is in, in, uh, in unarguable facts. Do you think it's yeah. because you've built a team that competes with you know the traditional bigger suppliers that is why you're in the game or do you think it's that you think you've found the answer to the question that has yet to be answered well i think i think through again going back to like principles and mastering your craft and really valuing the quality of the service that you provide you're inadvertently attracting more of the top talent you know, engineering talent and otherwise into your organization that don't want to go and work for these bigger firms because they're not able to operate in the same way that we can. Like people want to be working in cross-functional teams, delivering, you know, working software every two weeks. Mm. And for the most part, that the business model, if you like, is is uh, is one that, you know, the likes of the, the high street consultancies really try and shy away from because they're, they've got so much overhead and expense and cost in their business that it doesn't make commercial sense for them to run projects that way. Um, so if you can, if you can demonstrate demonstrate to your to your, to your tier one and your tier two clients that you have that capability and you're able to um, get results quickly and wh- and whatever it is that you're building is done to you know an exceptional degree of quality. I don't think they tend to care now about whether it's a you know an Accenture or a Deloitte or a Lexicon. Um, what they want is is top pedigree talent delivering value um, as quickly as possible, and was, and obviously at, at at the highest degree of quality. Mm. No, and that's um, you've clearly been able to do that. I mean, in a short period of time, you've grown a very serious business. Yeah, and I, and one thing I think I've left out in that is, you know, probably the most important thing since I've started the company, and this applies internally within the business and externally is this notion of trust and i think it's the it's the only it's the only non-monetary exchange in any relationship and so if you're an, a good business person and you you have a good proposition um and your intent is to provide a good service then and your intent is also to treat your staff in the right way then trust just tends to propagate you know, through your organization, with with your people, with your clients. And it makes conversations about, you know, you, t- you talked earlier about branching out into different areas of the business and doing a whole bunch of other things. Well, th- that's all based on trust, right? Like, you know, you don't, you know, yes, you have to have a capability and, and it has to be obviously sound, but ultimately you need to be able to build trust with people and it, and it becomes very clear, very quick, quickly in relationships when, I think people can and can't be trusted. And, you know, I never make promises that I can't keep. 
um, you know, when we make a commitment, we obviously deliver to it. Um, because and I we, think we're very careful about very careful about doing that. Traditionally, Chris, wouldn't you think that the 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 bigger consulting firms get trust from their clients just because they're big? You know, so you're a big, you know, I'm a big client. I've got lots of money. I'm just going to go with the big guys because I just trust that incumbency. They're big, so they must be. Yeah. You know, whereas. You're saying if you can demonstrate and give that trust at, at an actual personal level that you can displace yep. that and say, well, trust us. We don't have the name yet. <laughs> yep. We're getting there, yep. but trust us. We will deliver. And, and that's getting you in the door and actually building these great relationships. Yeah, and it's, I think it's even a slight variation of that, which is that there's an old saying in, in the industry that no one ever got fired for hiring IBM. Um, yeah. So you can flip the trust thing there and say, well, actually, it's more of a, a protectionist thing. Yep. Like I, you know, Security we chose blanket. that we chose the big we, we chose the high street, you know, the big boys, and they didn't deliver. So it couldn't possibly have been anything to do with well, anything that we had. Like, wasn't us? <laughs> um, is where we're of, we're of the view with, with the way that we work and the way that we mitigate like risk on a project because we deliver we deliver software every two weeks. Like we don't have any other metric other than delivering software to the client. So, you know, reporting and all these other things, whilst we do some of that stuff, it's not, we don't, we don't invest time in it. We invest time in engineering um, and we invest time in showing the client that they've actually got a product within a fortnight. And, you know, it's amazing within the space of, you know, four to six weeks, the trust base just goes through the roof. Got an you know, and, and they're not even, yeah, and they're not even asking questions anymore about, you know, budgets and timelines because you're going back to them every two weeks and you're showing them a chart that shows them, you're showing them in six months' time that you might be a week late. Now, what normally happens in, with the big boys is that the project gets two months or one week out from implementation then they find and out. you get told that you're going to be six months late. Yep. And then that manager has to go back and ask his ask their boss for another million dollars, and you know they're the, they're the problems in big business that really you know um, are a cause cause for concern. If you're telling someone five months out that you need another two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to finish the project, in the scale of these organisations, you know it's it's a much easier um, conversation to have. When there's no surprises. No surprises. Now, I'm just conscious we're no running out of time, yeah. but we're really interested in the talent side of your business. And I know that's always been so important to you. So, you know, talk us through how you've built up, um, you, you know, pushed up your talent average and how that's changed from day one to where you're at now. We're really interested yeah. in the talent side. Yep. So I think early days I was, I was fortunate enough to have a few people that I was surrounded by that I trusted that were exceptional, exceptionally good. Um, but it was also very hard to try and bring other people who we didn't know mm -hmm. to a business that was relatively small, unknown, maybe had one client, you know, th these were all the, you know, the yeah. early days where you're kind of trotting through the mud, um, you know, to grow your business. But at some point when you continue to invest in your business and you continue to invest, whether that's in, you know, in marketing, in your people, in all these other things, you start to build a bit of a, a reputation. 
And what that means then is that you start to tap in. What I've noticed over, say, four to five years is that all of a sudden the caliber of the talent that you start tapping into just starts to get better and better and better because, you know, you, be, you become the, I guess, the shiny, the shiny new toy in town <laughs> and, and people, are, people are more interested in wanting to come and work for you. So, um, so there's that part of it. And then, of course, there's the, you know, the vetting of people and making sure that they are um, fit to do the kind of work that we mm -hmm. do. So all of our software engineers go through, you know, they go through the ringer in terms of, um, you know, coding challenges and multiple interviews like our, our non-technical people go through role-playing exercises, you know, simulating real, real client engagements. And, you know, they're probably harder than any engagement that they'll ever go into yeah. um, with a client. So, you know, we're fairly confident that if they get through those, then they're probably in good stead to be able to go to a client and um, demonstrate to it, you know, their, their capability to a high standard. Mm. No, I think that's fair. And that, that that's a lot of time invested up front, but you're talking about longer term outcomes. And I mean, even if just someone looked at your LinkedIn feed, Lexicon Digital's LinkedIn feed, you can just see, it seems like someone's starting there every week and they seem to be people of very good caliber. So you're doing something right there, Chris. It's, yeah. It, that's yeah. working out quite well. All right. In sort of one minute or less, tell me how your role has changed over the last four or five years from, you know, being a one man band sort of playing all the instruments to now, whatever you're doing. Yep. No, that's a good question. So I think there's a few things. One is, I was definitely like too far in the business as opposed to being on it in the early days. And that made it a bit of a seesaw to try and, I think with business, you're constantly trying to break out of orbit into into these kind of larger, yeah. you know, larger spaces and, the, and it takes time. And, um, you know, how do you do that? Well, eventually you have to bring in other people operationally to help you run the business because you can't do it. You, you can't run a company of, 60 to 100 people and be the central point of dependency to do everything. You need other smart people who are highly capable in their own right and probably more capable than you are at certain things um, to be able to help scale the business. And there was no more apparent to me that, you know, that that, that was the case when, um, you know, I managed to work closely with a business partner and, and the business just then went on another tra trajectory after that because that person bought a whole bunch of diversity into the business that was beyond anything that I had. And the two of the things together, just, you know, it's, it's hard to say, work. there's no real science now, to the- Chris, there's no, we have there's to no real to Chris, we have to wind this up because as usual, we've run right out of time, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Chris Critius, Lexicon Digital. He's done, he's done a wonderful yep. job today. Um, thank you, mate. Laura Racky, well done today. No Racky rants. We'll probably bring I'll save one in up. next week. Thank you very much to everyone for watching and we'll be back next week. There are now more ways to watch Ticker. Download our apps for Apple and Android devices. We're live on Twitter and YouTube Live.